Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Good morning and welcome to episode 70 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name is Gus Logue, joined as always by my co-host John Shipley. Going to break down Jaguars versus Titans today. Jaguars versus Titans today. But first, how are you, John? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Gus? 70 episodes. I, I know I say this literally every week, but who would have thought? Twice a week now. <laughs> yeah. <Hey. laughs> who would have thought? Double the who would have thoughts and double the good mornings. <laughs> have you noticed the? Uh, have you noticed the YouTube commenter who keeps saying it yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a tweet about it too. No, I love it. I <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a good, good bit. It's a good bit. But no, I'm I'm doing good, man. Uh, it, it feels like this week has gone by fast. Like it feels crazy that the Jags play again in like two days. Like I feel like I just watched them get taken out back and <laughs> destroyed like two days ago. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like the longest week of the season just because of how ugly that loss was on Sunday. I thought it was just going to be like a week full of like bad online takes that we'd have to get through. And I mean, there, there were some takes that were, that were out there this week for sure, but I don't it's, know. <laughs> it's, still, it's still been a week of bad takes. I'll, I'll, it honestly I'll, just I'll... wasn't as bad as I was really expecting, but... Honestly, like we always talk about, like how we get to like a certain part part of the year, and we're just kind of like getting through it. And kind of hit me this week. I was like, a fun season, but oof, we're yeah, week eleven. We're uh, in the double digits now. It's it's really a grind. Eight more games. Eight more games. Potentially more, depending Probably. on how <laughs> these next two weeks go. Yeah, I mean, it, is it a leap to say these are our two most important games this year? No, I feel like we say like every week that like oh this this game this is the most important game, uh, but like the Texans game in two weeks is looking like it'll actually be maybe the most important game of the season. Yeah. Since obviously the Texans are just one game back currently, and they have an easier schedule the rest of the year than the Jags. So the Jags splitting that head-to-head record one to one would be pretty big time. But also this week is a must-win, even though it's. Probably not as big of, a, big of a game, like still a divisional game, still trying to kind of separate yourself from the rest of the division. And I mean, the Titans are three and six. And even though Mike Brables, the fighting Mike Brables, fighting Mike Brables always put up a good fight, uh, feels like they're not really the same caliber of team that they have been in years yeah. past. So this is kind of a must win. This is more of like a can't lose game than a must win in my eyes. Cause like if they lose this game, then then, like, next week will actually be the longest week of our lives. Yeah, I think the New York Times, like, playoff simulator has the Jaguars at, like, 
82% chance to make the playoffs after the San Francisco loss. Like, that was a big game in the sense of a chance to, like, you know, potential NFL game of the week, you know, establish yourself, get some national respect. But in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't a game that really mattered. These next two games, though, they are they are wildly, you know, important. So if the Jaguars win these next two weeks, according to New York Times, they have a 97% chance to make the playoffs. So if, if you get two wins in a row, you're more, you're more or less in. If they win this week, it's 87%. A win this week and a loss next week, you're down to 73%. And then if you lose both weeks, whoo, but it, <laughs> it gets it gets interesting down to 47%. If they go, That's- oh, so basically like a 40% swing if they go 0 and 2 over these next two weeks. If you go 2 and 0, more or less, if you win these next two weeks, you, you, you're punching a ticket to the playoffs one way or another, you know? Mm-hmm. Especially with games later in the year, you're playing either Dorian Thompson Robinson or PJ Walker in Cleveland. You're mm-hmm. playing Bryce Young. You're playing Tampa Bay. You know you're probably you're maybe now playing Jake Browning on primetime. Right. Like, like it, these are these are huge huge games. So it obviously starts with this week versus the Titans, but this is pretty easily like their most uh, their most important stretch. I'm honestly surprised that, the, like, I mean, it made a lot more sense when you said, like, the drop-off was pretty big, but losing both these two games in the next two weeks and still having a 47% shot is, like, better than I would have expected. And then we're going one and one and having, like, an 87% chance or whatever you said. I mean, I guess they did set themselves up pretty well for the second half of the year, especially con- compared to last season when they were, so, like, on the opposite side of things. So here's what it would look like if – the Titans win this week, and the Texans win this week. Okay. They'd be Jags would be right at the 69-70% mark, and then that bring Jaguars-Texans, you know, tied going into week 12. If the Jaguars were to win that game, they go up to 86%. If they lose that game... Yeah, they drop below fifty. So it definitely these two games are massive. You know, mm-hmm. so I, 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 I think like the biggest thing is looking. You know, like you said, the Titans aren't the team that they've been in years past. I feel I feel like you know Mike Vrabel normally has them punching above their weight, but they look like a, they play like a three and six team right now. You know, like they just. They're ba- they're banged up. The roster's obviously deteriorated some. It seems like they're in it for the long haul right now, more so than competing for a title this year. It kind of seems like they're just kind of turning their wheels until the season's over. Do you, but after, you know, we kind of went through the offensive issues against San Francisco. I mean, how confident are you in a bounce-back game from the offense this week? Uh, not that confident. Like, yeah, six. Uh, like, this is one of those games where I feel like, in my eyes, like, I, we can, like, project the defense to allow, like, a specific amount of points, and then, like, the outcome of the game is just going to come down to how the offense performs. I think they're definitely going to be, like, determined and motivated to put up a good performance, and especially since, like, they played so poorly at home, and there's not really any reason for that. It's funny when Doug and Trevor get asked about it because they're really, like, like, I don't have an answer for you. I don't know. It's the darnest thing is what Doug Peterson said. Not an so, answer they can say out loud. Yeah, that's – yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure they'll be motivated to kind of, like, get back on the right track and especially, like, in front of their home crowd. Um, but, like, as they've said, like, they've been emphasize, emphasizing, like, no turnovers for weeks now, and, like, they keep happening. So, like, yeah. I don't really know. And then, like, Doug Peterson's like, yeah, like, our process isn't going to change, which is, like, fair. Like, you shouldn't just, like, upend everything because you have, like, bad turnover luck. But, yeah, I I don't know. You kind of have to wait to see it to believe it um, for, like, when they're going to stop shooting themselves in the foot. So I'm, I'm inclined that they'll, like, figure some stuff out on offense week because they've got the motivation because this Titans defense is – I don't know where it ranks in terms of, like, EPA and efficiency wise, but I assume it's below average. And this is a secondary that 
you could probably pick on. So hypothetically, Jaguars yeah. should be able to get back on track um, and they should be able to score easily 20 plus points and maybe even 30 plus, but we'll see if that actually happens. Like I, I do feel like, like if there's any game like on the schedule, like that you would want to be like the bounce back game, like this is definitely, you know, one of them. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine if they were playing Houston this week instead of next week, like coming off the 49 loss? Like, yeah, people would be wound. Tight. Yeah. So, you know, uh, right now, you know, for the season, the Titans defense is 29th in EPA per play. Uh, they're a little the better in success rate. They're 21st. It's been mostly their pass defense. So 28th in, you know, EPA allowed uh, 30th in success rate. They've been a little better. The last couple weeks, I looked at it yesterday since Levis became starter. They're like 20th and 21st in each, and they're, I think, like a top 12 in both run metrics. So the defense has probably been better in recent weeks than it was earlier in the year. But I don't know. The, the way I describe like the Titans defense is they have a really, really good defensive line, but it's not a good defense. You know, like they, they can definitely get after you. I don't expect the Jaguars to have – much success running the ball again <laughs> this week. Like yeah. I, I, I don't know what week I, I can project them. Like it was just so obvious last week. Like from like the first carry, it was just like okay, yeah, this, <laughs> this, this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna happen. Then you know you go into this week and it's you know really good run defenders like Jeffrey Simmons, Nico Autry. You know, I, I just I don't expect a lot there, but. I think when you look at the Titans, like the biggest thing is, you know, trying to overcome their defensive line. And, you know, right now with the Jaguars offensive line, that's probably easier said than done. Though I will say this week's bulky ball. You ready? Yeah. I was wondering if you're going to have one this week. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, no, of course I'm going to have one this week. Of course I'm <laughs> going to have one this week. Okay. I, don't, I don't know if last Sunday's events were going to. Would you rather to- have. Yeah. A player with two and a half sacks on 63% of the snaps or a player with two sacks on 28% of the snaps? Uh, the second one, obviously. No other context needed. No other, no other context <laughs> needed. Which one? Uh, the second one. Is that – what is that? Yasir Abdullah versus Caleb on yeah. No, Chase on versus Arden Key. Yeah, it's a bulky. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got bulky ball. You're with him. Oh. You're with him. You're, you're with the masterclass. You know, but our Arden mm-hmm. Key, the vaunted, you know, missing piece of the defense with two and a half sacks through nine games. Yes, yeah, impression. Maybe numbers. maybe they were right, man. Jason's right there with his production. Maybe they were right. Maybe they were right. I, maybe he was right. <laughs> you got bulky ball. The Titans got bulky ball. You know, he's, know, like I like I don't even have that much of like a fight against that argument because like oh I know we've talked for the entire yeah. year about like how like they need to like add to their pass rush, but like the defense is playing well and like I don't think like pass rush is really gonna be like talked again in a major way until they lose in the playoffs and everyone's like, All right, biggest soft season need for the Jaguars is pass rush because they couldn't get after whatever elite AFC quarterback they're gonna end up losing to. So, like, for now, like, pass rush is, like, okay for the rest of the season. Uh, like, during the regular season with the Jags, actually need to figure out is their offense. Man, I hate that. I I, I, I want you to fight me more on that. Okay, here, here's another one. Would you rather have a player with one touchdown catch? No, no, no. I got another one. I got another one. Would you rather have a player with one touchdown catch in 16 career games or a player with one touchdown catch in nine career games? Would I rather have Brenton Strange or <laughs> I, I don't know who this other guy is, but Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks. Ooh. Yeah, I I, I agree that Brenton Strange is better than Traylon Burks as a No? No? You're not gonna take that bit? You're not gonna take that bait? I don't think so. I feel like Traylon Burks is like always injured though, so I feel like the, this could be like an actual take where you'd rather have Brenton Strange. I'd rather have a lot of players. I don't know where to go that, with this one. That, that's one of my draft takes. I've actually been right about in the last couple of years was that Traylon Burks was just a nothing prospect. So I'm a I'm a I'm a take the victory lap on that one. I think he was a something prospect. I didn't love him, but I liked him. I think. 
You love them. You would. You love them. No, I, I I would admit it if I loved them. I love. Uh, have you watched like twenty twenty four receivers at all? How, do yes. you know the, the, yes. the Do you know the get guy from South Carolina? Who the hell is that? I ah, never mind. He's a freak. Yeah. He, he he reminds me of Traylon Burks because just because he's like massive, <laughs> and very fast, and it's fun to watch. So well, he, if he reminds into my guy for the, this year. If he reminds you of Traylon Burks, I'll put him on my day three slash undrafted <laughs> sleeper watch list. All right, sounds good. We'll have to do another revisit of this with the Bonky Boss segment in about a year. <laughs> no, the, the only receivers I know are Keon Coleman and uh, Martin Harrison Jr. So, yeah, who are both uh, laughably out of reach. So, I'll get in the draft mode in March when everybody projects the Jaguars to take a receiver. And I'm probably going to make it a point not to watch a single one because I. I <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. There's no way Trent Balky takes a receiver. So, like, like maybe in the second round I could see it, but yeah, I like I'd be shocked if the Jags drafted one in the first round. So like speaking of Arden, you know, the architect of Duval who, you know, has yet to overlap Caleb on Chase on that much. That that's a bit, of course. Arden Key's been very disruptive this year mm-hmm. uh on a pressure basis. He had some, you know, interesting comments this week about the Jaguars' offense. He more or less said what Nick Bosa said last week, you know, that if you can force Trevor Lawrence off his first read, he'll hesitate and the offense will kind of struggle. What's your take on that? Because my take is I think he's correct, but I don't think it's for a reason people think it is. I think we've seen Lawrence throughout his career be able to go through his progressions, you know, I mean, there's literally countless examples. Like, I like being able to like go through his reads and see the field isn't something like you can criticize Lawrence for a lot of things. His down to down accuracy, sure. His red zone passing, absolutely. His ball security in the pocket, 100%. I don't think going through his reads and seeing the field is one of them that you have much merit for. But I do think this offense struggles when you force Lawrence off his first read because when you're forcing him off his first read and taking away his, you know, immediate option when he gets a snap, you're forcing their offensive line to hold up and pass protection longer. And like we saw last week in San Francisco, if you force, you know, Lawrence to hold on to the ball, they just don't have the horses up front to, you know, keep him upright. And it's very clear that the quick passing game that we've seen this year isn't like, to me, if you go with like a super quick passing game, it's either hide the quarterback or hide the offensive line. And we know it's not hiding the quarterback. So it's obviously to hide the offensive line. And I think the results have kind of said that lately. I'm totally with you. I think like Arden Key and was it Nick Bosa's comments are both like not necessarily inaccurate, but it's like more of a reflection on the offensive line than the quarterback. Because like, like, yeah, like Lawrence is like rushing through some reads, but that's because like he's clearly affected by the pressure and like affected by the fact that like, he hasn't had time to like get to his third read since last year's play playoff game against the Chargers. Pretty much, that's what it felt like, or that's what it feels like. Because like even when he does get to his third read now, like then it's like Tim Jones running a route. <laughs> so it's like he like he's not even like getting rewarded for like getting all the way through his progressions. And then especially like with the bad knee, like that's been something that I kind of rediscovered this week. I guess where like I kind of just like forgot about it, especially after the Steelers win where like he took off against the Saints and obviously it was not a small deal against the Saints. But then like once he like continued to like look decent and got a win against the Steelers, I think everyone, including myself, or at least a lot of people, including myself, uh, were kind of like, all right, well, like not really too concerned about the knee anymore, but I think it has had an impact on both like the game planning and like the calls that they're calling. Uh, and then also just like Lawrence's mobility and actual ability during these plays when he's getting pressured. So there's like kind of a lot of different factors, uh, the play calling being limited from his injury and then his injury itself. And then the offensive line, and then like not having Zay Jones slash a third dependable receiver to go along with Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley. So it's definitely a lot of things. And as you said, like Lawrence, certainly does have faults, but like he's an elite quarterback. He he can get through reads. So per SIS and Peterson said this week that basically like, I think we've all seen it. One Lawrence's best traits is throwing on the run. And Peterson said this week that they've kind of had to take that out of their game plan some 
you know, strictly because of that. And, you know, when you look at the numbers, like, you know, he's right, uh, you know, since his injury, you know, week seven, week eight, and week 10, they have just two design rollout plays. It's, you know, 30th, 2% 30th in terms of uh, usage rank. They're fifth in terms of usage rank and short dropbacks, first in screens. Uh, they are, you know, they've only ran, you know, 23 play action plays in general. And when you, you know, look at their offense in total this year, you know, design rollout, they're ninth, you know, in overall this year in terms of usage rank. And they've suddenly have gone to, you know, dead last, you know, they're, uh, you know, one of the top teams, you know, at least not top teams, but I'd say like a top 10, 11 team in terms of play action you know, rate normally with Lawrence, and that's gone way down. So I think you can see in the numbers that their passing game has become much more, you know, kind of, you know, catch the ball, and, you know, throw it immediately instead of getting him on the move. So I, I do think as he gets healthier, maybe that's one thing that, you know, you will see get better. I, I, I will say him and this offense in general seem to do better against zone defenses than they do against these teams who are going to play man and challenge them at the line. Like I, I feel like, especially last week, their receivers got gloved up at the line. And that was, you know, the biggest part of taking away, you know, the first read is that, you know, throwing off their time in the line of scrimmage. Calvin Ridley struggled against that this year. That's never been Christian Kirk's game. Obviously, you know, Tim Jones, he's not going to excel at it. Evan Ingram, you know, for as good as he is, I don't think he's somebody who is great against, you know, physicality at the line of scrimmage. So they don't really have the offense to fight against that. But this Titans team, you know, it's mostly a zone defense. They don't run a lot of man. They don't blitz a lot. It's all like cover cover three, honestly, because they play a lot of one high, but they also play a ton of zone. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and we saw last week, you know, I mean, last year, Lawrence had a really big game against them. And then even in their week 18 win, when Lawrence obviously didn't have a great game, he missed a couple, like, gimme plays including like a touchdown or two where he should have had a big game so i feel like yeah. this like this is the kind of defense the jaguars offensive scheme has had success against in the past and maybe that can give them some confidence you know moving into this game yeah i think i think you're right evan ingram last year uh i know he, he had, had a plays again yeah i'm trying to find it because i know he had that one really good game when it was at tennessee and then i was i like he was just really good in the final stretch anyway so he only had four catches on four targets for 27 yards in the week 17 game but in the week 13 game he had 11 catches on 15 targets for 162 yards and two touchdowns so, best game of his career yeah that makes you think like oh maybe this will be an ungrown week but nope calvin ridley week baby <laughs> is, is it ever not a calvin ridley week no but like My biggest qualm with the Jaguars' offense last week is, like, like obviously the turnovers are frustrating, but, like, I don't know, like, how you just, like, turn those off. And then, like, obviously the play calling was influenced a little bit by Lawrence's injury and then the fact that they were just, like, in a negative game script the whole time. But Calvin Ridley finishing with three targets is, like, just inexcusable in my eyes. And he might have finished with, like, four or five technically because I knew he drew a couple penalties. You so, know, I was gonna say that. Yeah. So, like, congratulations yeah. for that. So, but like, you need to like get him more involved. So, like, find a way to do something. Like, it's unreal. I like. I. I like the offensive line. Kind of like takes away his biggest talent, which is like running, like advanced, like intermediate to deep routes, and like yeah. those like take some time. And so, like the things that he's really good at, like the Jags, I feel like haven't even been able to fully access because like the offensive line can't consistently give Lawrence like a first, second, and third hitch in the pocket. But even still, like you got to find like more ways to use him creatively. Even if he like, even if he's shown that he's like not the same caliber as like an AJ Brown or Tyreek Hill, like you can still use him in similar ways as those guys. And like they used a little bit of uh, what's called cheap motion with, Ridley back in week eight against the Steelers, but like it was two plays and I didn't see against the Niners. And like I almost feel like they've like reserved a lot of their like cool gadget scheme open plays for Kirk. And so it's then like I mean 
I was arguing with you in the beginning of the season that like Ridley, Ridley like destroys press, and that used to be true, but that hasn't been true this season. So like, I think the Jaguars definitely need to figure out a way to get Ridley involved in this game because like I don't think maybe their offensive line will continue to get better as the season goes on, like as they gel together or whatever. But like that's probably just wishful thinking. I think like the best way for them, or the most feasible way for them to get better is just to feed Ridley a little bit more. Yeah, no, that they, that's what their message keeps being about the offensive line is maybe as they get more continuity, they'll improve. I, I feel like that's major cope personally. Yeah. I just, I, even if that I, happens, it's like they're going to go from like the 31st best offensive line to like the 26th. Great. Exactly. And like, I feel like the Ridley thing, I'm, I'm with you. He definitely has been used like very like statically. Like, yeah. I feel like their definition of we're trying to scheme things up for him is like that first sack on the first drive against the 49ers last week. You talked about on Monday's show, but, you know, they put Ridley in the slot and they tried to have him run like a deep over and the 49ers just like read it instant. Like, yeah, moving him into the slot is a start, but you can just do so much more. You know, like the, the low motion rate, low stack rate, low bunch rate, like – I'm sorry, I, I just refuse to believe that Zay Jones, like, I, I know, I know it's having an impact. I completely understand it. I agree with it, but I refuse to believe that Zay Jones, of all receivers in the NFL, is going to be the player that turns this passing offense from underperforming to suddenly, you know, what everybody expected to be. No, like, that, that's just, I, I don't believe that's a thing. I think he would help Ridley a lot, but I think they can help Ridley more than they've done so. So I'm I, I'm with you on that. I'm interested to see if that changes this week at all because, oh, no, uh, you know, Press got asked yesterday about him drawing penalties, and he was like, yeah, it sucks that it doesn't get on the stat sheet. It almost seems like, like they're, you know, kind of accepting that as, okay, that's a big part, you know, of the offense. And I just I, – I don't think you can, you can live and die with that. No, definitely not. It's like – it's like worked out so far. Like it hasn't been terrible that like Ridley's production on deep passes has almost come more from yards drawn from penalty than like actual just catches and receiving yards. But like that that doesn't feel like a formula that that you should like keep going back to and that can like hold up for the entire season. Cause like yeah. then you're just gonna like keep if you just like keep Ridley in the static role and keep throwing him the same kinds of passes, then like and then you don't get a defensive pass interference call, then, like, what happens? Because it's not like Ridley is getting a ton of – or really any, like, and ones where he makes the catch and gets the call. It's like he just kind of, like, almost gets bailed out by the call a decent amount of time. So, yeah, if he, if he like, stops getting bailed out by the refs, then, like, now what? That's kind of what happened against the Chiefs. Like, I feel like there is – he might have gotten a, a call or two, but there's definitely two calls off the top of my head that I can remember where you, like, got held and the refs didn't call it but it's like if you're the jaguars like you can't just like live with that and be like oh well we tried and like the refs just like missed the call but we got our guy in the right spot in the situation we wanted it's like no like it didn't work so you got to figure something else out yeah and i'm i'm with you you know completely and it all feels like kind of tied together like their offensive issues like to the offensive line but yeah they've made their bed there they bulky ball the Offensive line, surely. You know, it's not like they're throwing out nobody's out there. You know, they, they've invested a lot into it. So, until that improves, I'm not sure you're seeing the offense go anywhere. Like I said, I, I feel like there are mismatches. There are skill players versus Tennessee, but it starts and ends with the offensive line. And it's another week where they're going against a really good defensive line. So, I'm, I'm a bit skeptical myself that you see a big offensive game this weekend. Yeah, <laughs> you. I, I was going to ask for a score prediction, but I guess we'll get to that later. We'll get there. We'll get there. But yeah. we're going to go ahead and go to a quick break, and then we'll get to the defense. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Gus, Mike Caldwell gave his quote of the year yesterday. He literally called the Jaguars defense fraudulent for their <laughs> performance against the 49ers. He called he called those men imposters. Imposters. Like that, is, that was great. That, is, that was a bar, dude. And he he wasn't wrong. Like when you go back and watch the tape, I I really feel like how bad the offense was has skewed a lot of people with the defensive performance. Because yeah, they did. They fought in the first half, you know, like they limited San Francisco 13 points in the first half, but it wasn't a good defensive performance. It it it, it wasn't. They, it was one of the two worstest years that week and against Houston. And, you know, it just no matter any way you look at it, you know, the defense was bad last week. Much different scenario this week. Though. You're playing an offense that doesn't have the pieces that San Francisco has. It doesn't have the play caller. It doesn't even have, in my opinion, the quarterback and I'm not a Brock Purdy guy. Like yeah. my, my entire like stance on Will Levis is that he's probably gonna be fine, like top 20-ish quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. You know, like if Baker Mayfield can start weekly, I think Will Levis can, but right. like the people rushing to anoint him so far is like he four touchdowns against the Falcons. Obviously, you know, wow, wild start. Since then, he's really you know, cooled off. Uh, they, they, he has one of like the lowest, like pure drop back rates in the NFL this year. So that's a lot of screens, a lot of RPOs, a lot of play yeah, action. Yeah. I, I don't think all of his struggles are on him because their offensive line's obviously really bad. I think Andre yeah. Dillard just got benched like again, that left tackle. They've had a lot of injury issues, but he, it's not, he's not setting the NFL on fire, you know, and I, I, I firmly believe that his, that his, performance against the Falcons was more so the Falcons are just one of the most cursed franchises in sports. Like they, they had that happen against Levis. They had Josh Dobbs dice them up after being a Viking for like two seconds. They had Kyler Murray have a third and 10 little backyard scramble against them. His first game back, but it's, it's just what the Falcons do. And yep. since he's played the Falcons, he's really come back down to earth. Is, is he somebody that should concern them that much? Cause like, to me, the big thing is, He's going to chuck it deep, especially DeAndre Hopkins. And I feel like the Jaguars defense has been hit or miss, you know, deep this year. But otherwise, I don't think he should concern them that much. I don't think so either. Because, like, the only reason, like, those, like, his arm, like, would concern me is just, like, from recency bias of the Jaguars' last game. Like, the IU touchdown and the George Kittle touchdown are, like, two plays that come to mind where, like, Purdy was, like, under pressure, and it probably should have been a sack first, let alone, like, an incompletion. But then, like, he just, like, happens to <laughs> drop two dimes, really, and, like, just get it to his playmakers, and then uh, the playmakers finish the plays for him. But, like, Will Levis doesn't have, like, the same weapons that Purdy had or the same offensive line that Purdy had or the same play caller that Purdy had. So, like, even though he does have – um, like a stronger arm than Purdy, and Purdy also like put the ball into some like crazy windows on Sunday. So like, I definitely think like it's a step down for the quarterback, and like, like hypothetically, as Levis showed against Atlanta, like he can hurt you with those bombs. But I think the Jags would be like much better equipped to handle those deep bombs, uh, like with like so much less eye candy going around uh, with the Titans' offense compared to the Niners' offense. 
I mean, Tyson Campbell will definitely be a big injury to watch this week. I don't know. Was he limited in practice this week? He, he hasn't practiced this week. Oh, he hasn't practiced. So, mm-hmm. uh, Gregory Jr., a.k.a. G-Money, is probably going to – G-Money. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I meant Gene. <laughs> that would have been good. <laughs> Someone clarify. I can't believe no one, like, <laughs> was missed opportunity. Yeah, uh, Gregory it, Jr. is probably going to start if Tyson Campbell can't go. So, like, Tyson Campbell, like, I feel like the kind of receiver he matches up well against is someone like Nuke, who's uh, might he, Nuke would probably get him a couple times in like contested catches situations because Nuke has always been good at like the low key shove off, and Tyson hasn't hasn't quite gotten all the way there in terms of tracking and finishing all the ball. But like Tyson does usually do well against like bigger receivers on the sidelines and like shiftier receivers out of the slot, so. We'll see what kind of impact that has this week for the Jags cornerback injury. Yeah, so going going back, like since week eight, Will loves his first start. He ranks first in air yards per target among, you know, 30 qualifying quarterbacks. I did like minimum 50 plays. Uh, in terms of adjusted EPA per play, he is number 23rd. Uh, one spot ahead of Patrick Mahomes. And mm. then uh, in terms of success rate, he's 28th out 30th, only in front of Bryce Young and Tommy DeVito. So he's airing it out, but uh, pretty mixed results. It's been mostly, again, that Falcons game. And I, I'm, I'm with you. Like The big things are going to be the contested catches, the jump balls, the chunk plays. Mm. If they can limit the explosives, I think that they can – get after him as a pass rush unit because their pass rush was better last week than I thought it would be. I feel like Trayvon, I'm not ready to call him an average pass rusher yet because he's still – like the numbers still aren't great for him like on an efficiency basis. But in terms of volume pressures, he's starting to at least improve there, which is a step forward in some sense. And I feel like like these are the kind of like – tackles like his big thing is like get in a wide nine get at a you know get at an angle and then basically bull rush down the center of the guy's chest i feel like this is an offensive tackle combo that that would actually be you know it would actually yeah, probably not be a bad strategy for did he have a i feel like trayvon had a kind of nice game against the titans last year he, he got hurt in that game but he had one of his uh one of his three and a half sacks and he had a um, uh, what's it called? Uh, force a strip sack on Tannehill that came at, like out of a three point stance, and everybody was like, "Ah, oh, that's oh that's, yeah, that's what happened." So what yeah, yeah. So and then I mean, in in that week eighteen game, like he didn't have a good game as a pass rusher, but he was you know good against the run. So looking back since week ten, looking like at win rate. You know, all pass rushers with the edge rushers with at least 50 pass rushes. There are 86 of them. Josh Allen's number one in win rate, you know, since week six. And Trayvon is 62. So the pressures are up, but the efficiency still isn't there. I think, you know, this week they probably would take, you know, the pressures. Like he's 31st in pressures since week six. He's getting better i i'm not gonna take the leap to say that he's good but he's getting better as a pass rusher so i think that combined like i think it'll be a big josh allen week i think that they have you know the scheme in place the tools in place to take away the passing game what about the running game because the the jack Rose like run defense the numbers haven't been as kind to them in the last few weeks like they like they haven't ranked high in you know, stuff, you know, since week eight, uh, I believe they are, let me see, they're 16th in rushing EPA allowed and 12th in success rate, which obviously isn't bad, but they started the year like in the top three in both. So they've are obviously. You on, are you on RBSDM? Do you just do weeks one through nine? For my curiosity, because like I thought, I thought they were like a pretty good run defense going into the Steelers game, and then they didn't 
allow much against the Steelers. So I, I wonder, like, how big of a deal the Niners game was. Especially because like, McCaffrey, like Debo, had a couple big carries. They are 12th in EPA and first in success rate. Mm. The game that actually did them in was the Saints game. Because going into week six, they were number two in EPA, number three in success rate. And then in week seven, I don't remember them being like bad on the ground that game. I I think Alvin Kamara had like a couple like explosive runs. Hmm. Uh, Taysom Hill. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. In week seven, at week seven, they were the worst team by rushing EPA and 14th and success rate. So the Saints game and the 49ers game have been bogging them down. I feel like they have like the personnel to stop like Henry more so than they have the personnel to stop a Kamara and stop a McCaffrey. But they got to get back to base. They, the three safety looks, I go ahead and put that one in the recycling bin. I, I don't. And Doug basically said this week, he was like, yeah, we had several miscommunications and three safety looks. I get back to base. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I I'm still don't understand completely their reasoning for using so many three safety looks last week, but against another team this week, that's going to like pretty much, you know, load up at the line of scrimmage. I think just get back to what you do best, you know, get as many big guys as you can on the field. Try to take away, take away Henry. <laughs> the Titans this year rank first in stacked box run rate and last in light box run rate. That's so right. they're, they're expecting heavy boxes, and they get it, and they still run through it. And then last year, uh, Derek Henry's two games against Mike Caldwell's defense. In week 14, he had 17 carries for 121 yards, so 7.1 per carry and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then in week 18, he had 30 carries, 109 yards, and zero touchdowns. But that's 3.6 yards per attempt. So he went over 100 yards in both games. And then – uh, he was, like, really good efficiency-wise in, like, the bigger loss earlier in the season. But, yeah. I don't know. Like, and then, like, the three games even before that, he had 130 yards, 215 yards, and 84 yards. So, like, Derrick Henry over whatever, however amount of carries is probably a good bet this week. And then, like, we'll see how well the Jags do holding him up. Because, like, really, I think, like, if you like contain Henry, then like that makes everything so much easier for, for you. Like to get like Levis into like continuous third and seven situations, like he's not going to make a lot of those plays on his own. Yeah. So, like, definitely Derek Henry is a key focus, obviously. Yeah. So, uh, th- this is a matchup we like, you know, for the Jaguars, you'd say. Yeah. Bar the three safety looks. Yeah. I think, I think they'll be able to like, I think like Henry will still get his, but. I think they'll like not contain them in the sense that he's going to get held to 18 carries for 40 yards, but contain the sense that like you'll have 18 carries for 80 yards, but none of them were like really backbreakers, and you only had like four first down runs. Over under on how many runs they have designed to go right at Darius Williams is it? I'll give you 10. <laughs> I mean <laughs> under, but I was going to say over three. Yeah. We they, I, with Debo. Debo is just charging right at Darius. Yeah. We, week 18 last year, the Titans had like a handful of plays where like it was designed like to get Henry on the edge and leave Williams unblocked and have Williams shot tackle him one-on-one. Yeah. <laughs> Great cover guy. He ain't going to do that. <laughs> so I, I, I'd expect to, to see that this week. I, I, know, I, I feel like this is a week where if the Jaguars can't get sacks and can't get turnovers back on track, then you can be concerned about the sustainability of the defense. You know, like, I feel like this is a week that you have to, you have to get turnovers in some sense, because if you don't, then what, like, to me that you're just showing that the turnovers, like you never know when they're going to happen and that you can't rely on them week to week, which is probably true, like in general, but this defense, like clearly, you know, this team clearly, you know, needs the turnovers, you know, to function. And if you can't get them this week against, like, you know, this quarterback, then 
Uh, I don't know. Like Levis has the third. Like since he started, he has the third highest turnover worldly play rate, <laughs> right behind Brock Purdy, who they got zero <laughs> who they got zero turnovers against. So yeah, I think uh, Tyson Campbell's absence might have had like a low key big deal, like for Jacksonville's run splits because he was out against the Saints and then he left the Niners game in like the second or the third quarter after re-aggravating the hamstring injury. And, like, he's easily their best tackling defensive back, let alone tackling cornerback. And so, like, he's, like, a huge deal, like, to have on the edge. And so, again, like, the Niners were, like, kind of, like, going after Darius Williams a little bit last week. And Gregory Jr., recipient, proud recipient of my game ball, uh, like, didn't allow anything. Mike Caldwell was talking him up a little bit yesterday. did, but, did you see that one comment? Who was like, we should like the coach should give Alec Pierce a game ball for running a million routes every game and not doing anything. <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so I think like the Tyson injury is pretty big in terms of like Jacksonville's run defense. But then on the sure. flip side of that, like I think like I am with you that like like the Zay thing has been overblown at this point, and it's like you can't use the Zay thing as an excuse especially since, like, you should have had, like, some kind of backup plan. But it's, I, do it's think, like, I, I do think, like, he's, like, their best, especially after Marvin Jones left, too. Like, I think Zay is, like, easily their best one blocker on the perimeter, maybe besides Tim Jones. But, like, you don't really want Tim Jones playing a ton of reps or a ton of snaps. So, like, I got – do you, like, can you remember, like, a lot of – or like I feel like we were talking about this earlier this season, but it feels like the Jaguars ran a lot more outside run plays last year compared to this year, and so like I think objective like, part of that more is like, like toss plays and stuff for sure. Yeah, like, but like still like toss. toss crack was like they're like third most commonly run play, whereas yeah. like most teams will like have toss crack as like to kind of like get away from one of their main things. But like the Jags made toss crack one of their main things. And so I'm sure there's plenty of reasons that they've not had it be one of their main things this year, but I do think Zay Jones could be a real reason why. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Gus, you got anything else for us on defensive part? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay, well, we're going to cut for a break, and we'll be right back with our predictions. All right, Gus. Give me your locks of the week. Make me some money because I'm pretty sure I haven't been keeping track. Maybe I should, but I'm pretty sure I anybody who listens to me is probably living in the gutter at this point. I I don't know if I've had anything right. I'll, I'll go ahead and give you, you. I'll go ahead and give you mine. Okay. Derek Derek Henry rush yards fifty six and a half. I'll go over. Yeah. Will Levis passing yards two hundred twelve and a half. I'll go under. I I I don't see it. I I I don't see him having a big day. Uh, Travis Etienne receiving yards twenty two and a half. I'll go over. I think they try to get the screen game going some more this week. You know, you saw how successful it was last week. Maybe they're like, okay, maybe that needs to be a staple. You know, right. of of what we're doing. And then Calvin Ridley, too. yeah, Calvin Ridley forty eight and a half receiving yards. Pound the under. Lock it in. Lock, it. Lock of the week. Go to Kiaway. Lock of the week. Pound the other. Bet the mortgage. Oh, man. Yeah, let's see. I, I think my lock of the week is uh, Derrick Henry rushing yards. I like that one a lot. Like, I feel like game scripts doesn't even really matter because, like, no one's going to be expecting the Jags to put up, like, 40, and I feel like that's the, pretty much the only way that Derrick Henry doesn't get to that number. Mm. Brandon McManus over 1.5 field goals made. <laughs> hey, the I, also, uh, I like the ETN receiving one for all the reasons that you said. I always like taking ETN over rushing plus receiving yards too, just to completely like negate any game script basis. Yeah. Um, I don't see. I don't see it. I'm my lock of the week. <laughs> Go. Josh Allen over half a sack too. It's it's not on prize picks, but if you can find a Josh Allen prop bet out there, I feel like this is a big Josh Allen sack week. I I think he gets two. 
passes you Nick Ngakwe for second all time, which is extremely embarrassing of a stat, but nonetheless. I can't Rise Picks doesn't have Trevor Lawrence's touchdowns, but I'll go over 1.5 touchdowns for Trevor Lawrence, which feels like he's thrown multiple touchdowns like maybe twice this year. It, they don't it's have that, it because he's averaging a touchdown a game. Let's see real quick. I feel like there was a Colts game where he threw two, and maybe that's it. I, I think that might be it. Passing touchdowns. Oh, no, I was right. He had two against Indy. He had two against Indy in both games. And other than that, he has. What was the other one he had? Oh, he had one to Zay Jones in week one, didn't he? Okay. Yeah, yeah. he had one to Zay Jones and one to Calvin Ridley. So yeah, it's just like the Colts every week. Yeah. And then he had zero against the Niners, zero against the Chiefs, and one touchdown thrown in every other game. So this is this is I don't even know like if one point five is like the thing. Is it just like over under like one touchdown? Is it over under point five touchdowns? I'd say it'd be point it's probably be point five. And honestly, I'll say it, I'll say it, I'm not sure I would take it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was like, why is this the lock of the week? I was I was feeling good about it until I just recounted the stats. Honestly, the best bit this week would be for them to have like three or four rushing touchdowns and like purposely like get into like get to the one yard line and just run it instead of passing it. Like purposely keep those touchdowns, like get, get into some Arthur Smith, you know, semantics about it. That'd be, that'd be the best bit possible. That's true. I'm trying to look on DraftKings for Trevor Lawrence over 1.5 touchdowns is only plus one Oh five odds. All right, I'm sticking with it. Walk of the week, multiple touchdowns. I think it's Lock gonna be a week. I think it's gonna be a bounce back game. To get for my score prediction, I'm gonna say twenty-six to sixteen Jaguars. I, I just want to point out how ridiculous it is that the bold take lock of the week has to be the <laughs> number one overall pick. Ferrari quarterback will throw more than one touchdown. Like it's very indicative of how things are going. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm going good. 2016 Jags. I, I don't think the offense has a good game. I think they win because of the defensive turnovers, and everybody right. complains for another week until. And I also think CJ Stroud probably throws like 300 yards and four touchdowns, and really gets those takes going. Really, yeah. really gets those takes flying. Yeah, I think like I said, 26 points for the Jags. I think like they're gonna get like a, a decent amount of like good field position, and like like I said. Like Manis over field goals, like I, I, I think like the offense shouldn't have too tough a, of a job for themselves on Sunday, and then hopefully that'll help themselves to not keep they screwing up. They need it, man. They they yeah. need it. You have a you have a hot take of the week. Mm, I think my hot take is just that the Tyson and Zay matter in the run game. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Because that wasn't that wasn't super fiery, but I don't have another one off the, my dome, off the dome. So, what about you? My hot take of the week is that Mike Rabel is the fourth best head coach in the AFC South right now. Oh. Yeah, let's turn that one up. D'Amico's doing good. Steichen's winning games at Gardner Minshew for the most part. Yeah, that's pretty insane. <laughs> I, I feel like I had to sneeze. It was insight. <laughs> that one episode you weren't here for, I had to sneeze like three four times in a row. I'm like, I need Gus here to kill the dead air. It's <laughs> just people listening better. to me being every five seconds like, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got to work on my takesmanship. I don't know. I, there's, there's I, I don't like just coming up with like things off the top of my head. I need to do better at like preparing stuff honestly I'll, I'll 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 make sure i have a good one next week there's not a lot of good hot takes to have like this is this isn't like a big storyline game like had the jaguars won last week this game would have zero storylines would have zero storylines yeah if the jaguars won last week this game would just be another home game since yeah, they I lost mean, last 
since they lost last week, the storyline is like, can they bounce back or will they keep spiraling? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, there would have been like storylines about like how it's a divisional game, but like that happens for every divisional game. So I, I don't disagree. I'm allergic to your lack of takes. <laughs> it looks like it. <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. Um, that was at least uh, four you just rattled off. Yeah. I, I average about four or five. I'm a sneezer, man. I'm, I'm really? a sneezer. You, you're one of those you, you just need a couple reps to get through it. I got I got very cartoons like sneezes too. Like, hmm. I'm a you asked. <laughs> yeah, I, I am dude. I am. I'm I'm a shatter when I sneeze. I'm because I try to I don't I don't know where it is. I'm but I'm a I'm a sneeze shatter. There was a uh it's a shatter in the press box on Sunday. I was ready to ready to catch a charge, dude. Uh, names un, un, un unspoken, but super loud like I, like during the Kirk fumble, one of the biggest plays of the game, trying to sort out what happened. Just loudest phone call imaginable right next to me. I'm like, dude, Jamal St. Cyr is like, yeah, Jamal St. Cyr is like, Shibley, what happened on that play? And I'm like, I don't know, dude. I don't know, bro. I'm over here in a conference call. I don't know. I'm always sitting by like Niners or like the opposing team's radio people because I'm like with 1010. So then like just to the right of like our little group is like, Again, the opposition's like radio group, and so then they're they're always like super loud and just like talking about like apparently like one of them asked uh, Adam Stites about like his opinion on Brock Purdy like just in the middle of the game while Adam's trying to write. So like, yeah, press box is a fun time. Yeah, no, it, it's, is. It's, it's it is. It is. It is. Well, Gus, you got anything else for us? No, I'm practicing my takesmanship as soon as we get out of it, here. I I don't blame you for this week. It's it's I don't know this the like this week feels like a game against the 2023 20, Titans. Like it just it's bleh. You know, I thought it was funny how like uh how like all the coaches were asked like oh is this the kind of game the Niners game that you like throw the film out and just move on or do you like go back and watch it? And Doug was kind of more like oh yeah like. We like went back and watched it. All the guys like wanted to make sure they corrected their mistakes. And then you asked Mike Caldwell, and he's like, "Yeah, no, we just threw that thing out." He's like, <laughs> "What did he postures? <laughs> what did he say? He what did he say exactly? I'm gonna find it real quick because it, it was he, he like immediately was like, "Yeah, no, I don't, I don't ever want to hear about this." That was, that was in our group. We we turned that on. We were like, "That must be someone else." Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a great line. Let's see. Um, I'm fine. So this is one of the ones you just throw away. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, I think basically my point is that like there wasn't really a ton we could take out of the Niners game to talk about other than like what the heck like fix this. Yeah. Like, and hey, so I, I, I do think there'll be more takes to come out of the Titans game. I'm I'm with you. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there as well, my friend. Well I'm with you there as well. <laughs> Until until Monday, I don't know, man. Monday, if, Monday, if they lose, the people will be melting down. Man. Dude, if so they I'll, lose, like the season is is as good as over for Jacksonville, I think, or like for like in Jacksonville's fans' eyes. Yeah, yeah. like I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I'm with you. It'd be the most distraught six and four. Did you see that world. Panthers fans organized like a silent protest? Or like a silent march, or a peaceful, a peaceful protest. Yeah, as opposed to more than silent, I think. As opposed to, they're gonna, they're gonna riot. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess they felt like it, but that's what I'm saying is that like Jags fans are gonna feel like rioting if they lose right. on Sunday. And so, uh, would you be surprised if Cap organized a peaceful protest? Pa- Panther fans are gonna riot and throw Bryce Young through a storefront window, and then when he doesn't crack it, they're going to throw a brick. Did <laughs> <laughs> you see, see Nicole Tepper was watching their offensive line drills the other day? No, I, but, that's awesome, though. I'm, yeah. I, I'm sad I missed that. That's, that's the, pretty cool. the, like several of the beat writers like, yeah, a lot of focus on the offensive line of practice today. Frank Reich's watching them, Scott Fitterer's watching them, and also the owner's wife. <laughs> I'm like that. The hell's she doing there? <laughs> ball. I love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tepper ball. <laughs> oh god, that's gross. That's... You thought monkey ball was bad. Tepper ball. That, it... that doesn't come off the scent the right way. Yeah, it, 
there are not two owners probably more different than Shotgun and Shotgun and Tepper. Like there's hands off, like probably like the like definition of a hands off owner, like lets his guys do what they need to do. And then there's whatever the hell Carolina's doing where the owner is like wrist deep in trade talks and everything. Let's say you need new jerseys for your peewee football team and you can only ask David Tepper or Jim Ursay for some money to get sponsored for New Jersey's. Who would you rather have as your Pee Wee team owner? Tepper, because they already have several Bryce Young jerseys my kids could wear. <laughs> Good one. There we go. <laughs> you well set done. me up for that one. That was good. You, you set me up for that one. I, I appreciate it. That was a nice, that was a nice little softball. Yeah. That was good. Well, until Monday, we'll either be here breaking down a win or trying to talk you all off the ledge, probably unsuccessfully. John Shipley, my co-host Gus Logue. This was the Jaguar Report Podcast, and we will see you all next week.